Hi, Drew. How's everything going? It's all right, Josh. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, for, for those listening in, this is Drew Dixon, who is the CIO of Albert Bridge Capital. And where are you guys based out of, by the way? We're in London. Okay, cool. And uh, how, how long have you been managing money? I moved over here 20 years ago, uh, originally as an analyst with Fidelity Investments and then Oxif. Uh, and then uh, through various different entities, we've launched the Alpha Europe Fund uh, since 2008. Uh, and we're still here doing it. All right. So I wanted to talk to you about this post that you did, um, debiasing and alpha. So you're running a concentrated portfolio. It sounds like it's kind of a best ideas portfolio, which uh, um, I want to get into. But you were doing this thing about what if you what if you took your favorite stocks or your favorite ideas and you forced yourself to debias by writing up the short thesis on each of those stocks? Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I think it's just a sort of an integral part to if we if you if we want to take the risk of being concentrated. And I I'm all in on by the way on from most folks uh, the, the passive low cost way to get exposure to what it, whatever it is that you want makes complete sense. But in the case for us, if we're managing a small portion of the money of some university endowments or foundations, they're they're looking for some uncorrelated excess types of returns, and the only way to get there is is through concentration. And yeah, they don't write. They don't want you to look like the index. They don't want the index, and um, and so from our from my perspective, we need to remain concentrated. It needs to be the best ideas portfolio, as, as you said, Josh. And and I think at least some portion of the industry uh, is coming around to, uh, or at least believing that. The, if there is an edge out there, it, it's 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 not as much from getting information before the before the next guy does, uh, like maybe it used to be, um, but it's more about what you do with it when you get it. And we can all say we're smart, but at the end of the day, everyone is as smart as everyone else in this industry. And I think the real trick is to try to take advantage of potential biases. If we treat the other side of the trade, if we treat him as this sort of Warren Buffett's proverbial or Ben Graham's proverbial Mr. Market. Um, if we can think of that person as one person, we can ask ourselves, okay, what, you know, in, in the spirit of Danny Kahneman or Richard Thaler or any of these guys, what, what behavioral mistake is Mr. Market making preventing him from being objective about this information? And that's all great. A lot of people are now talking about that. We've been talking about it for a long time, but now a lot of folks are talking about it. But hey, Drew, Kahneman, if you, Drew, if you, if you designate, if you designate 20 stocks as your favorite 20 stocks, doesn't that introduce that bias risk right off the bat because you've now put your stamp on a company and so as things change with the company that forces you to say okay i was wrong about that um like isn't that one of the hardest parts of this and that absolutely is and that and that's the whole point we can all pretend that, that we're we've got some analytical edge in terms of seeing the mistakes the market makes but most of the mistakes that we make in investing are our own. It's these biases that you say, Josh. We, you buy a stock, you meet a company a hundred times over five years, you know it inside out, you you start drinking the Kool-Aid, you start being tied to their view, and that's not unbiased, that's not objective. And so for us, even before we get these 20 best ideas in the portfolio, it's got to be a process of us identifying not only finding businesses which are fundamentally improving over, over an intermediate to long term, but identifying a specific bias that the market has is preventing them from seeing what we see and mitigating our own. And that was and mitigating our own biases. That's, that was the subject of this piece I, I put out last week. Right. Cause you're, so you're, so you're bringing up Danny Kahneman, who I, I would imagine most of our listeners have heard the name 
And he said something, you know, he's toward the end of his life and he's been studying biases in other people forever, for decades. And even he admitted, I don't think even with as much awareness as I have about these cognitive biases, I don't think that I'm good enough to even spot them in my own behavior. That's remarkable. Yeah, he, that's remarkable. And he, he wrote that in Thinking Fast and Slow. He, he came up with all these things. Uh, he and Amos Tversky. And uh, he says he still suffers from them each day. And so from that perspective, if we've got the father of all this telling us that even he suffers from these Yeah, biases, what chance do – right. What chance do any of us what have? What chance do rest, rest of us have? Yeah, I want right. to ask you about um, – you're, you're saying we can do too much work. So I've heard this before phrased as the sunk cost fallacy or the sunk cost bias where you say, I've spent a year researching this company. There is going to be a trade. I didn't do all this work for no reason. Like that's a really – to me, that's a really big one, right? It's a huge one. If you do a ton of work, you want the idea to work. And then if you've communicated that idea to your investors, to your friends, to your bosses, your career is almost tied to it. You need it to work. And that's that's one of the hardest ones. And, it's uh, it, it really, I think, I mean, it's our, our view is that really creates a lot of the confirmation bias that happens with the market. And it also impacts individual analysts or me uh, after doing that work. Uh, you, you don't want to process information which disconfirms your pre-existing view and you tend to ignore the stuff that matters. And you don't want to throw it out. Um, you, you also say uh, we think we are smarter than we are. So this one's tough because if you're going to do a concentrated portfolio, you have to have a belief system that allows for you to believe, like allows for you to think I am smarter than the market. Um, so you have to have some confidence even to attempt this. So how do you know when you have too much? Yeah, so I think for us at least, and, and maybe for others, it, it's got, it's, it's, it's the confidence in the process. We, we don't think we're smarter than the next guy. We, we think we maybe are potentially more objective than the next guy. Okay. And if we can eliminate our own confirmation biases as we're doing our research, um, perhaps we have a chance of being more objective than our enemy, who is Mr. Market. And that leads us into this whole concept of writing short cases for everything that you want to buy. Uh, okay, which and that to me is, is the and, best debiasing tool we have. And, okay, so you have a few of these debiasing rules, and that's one of them. That's number three. What's yeah. What are one and two? What would you do even before that to start stripping out some of the biases that infect the process? Well, the first one for, so if, you know, I call it the four P's, process, philosophy, predefinition, and then who your partner is. Um, in, in the process part of it, and everyone has their investment process. Um, in our case, we, our goal is to expertly and rigorously analyze all these company fundamentals and to be as objective as we, as we can, but then to discover some bias that's preventing Mr. Market from doing the same. And that's sometimes really hard. We find a great management team, improving ROICs, all the financials look fantastic, uh, people don't like it. There's, there's this wonderful story. Uh, it's ahead of you, especially if the business is going to be improving secularly. But you can't you can't identify a specific bias. You can't see where the market's overreacting to bad news. You can't see the, the potential good news they're underreacting to. It's just basically cheap. And that's a trap a lot of us fall into. Is okay, the stock is cheap. That, that's Mr. Market telling us he doesn't like it. It doesn't necessarily tell us that if all the sell-side analysts have sales in the stock and all your buddies are long. Um, right. We've got to find something that, we're, that we think is unconventional. And I'm kind of jumping ahead, but that if we can, if we can, if we can stick to that process, uh, even even when our body is begging us to go buy this stock because it looks so cheap or right or, and then, or such and an then, opportunity. And then you've got, and then you're saying um, another debiasing rule is to predefine mistakes. 
So like d- know in advance what would what would make make you wrong. Like like say I'm definitely wrong if something like this were to happen. Yeah, and that comes from the short thesis. And I think most most on the buy side will, you know, will, if, when I was an analyst of Fidelity or, or, or even today, folk, folks will write it, it's on the sell side or the buy side. Everyone will kind of write up a, a buy thesis. Here's why I love this stock. And they might have a little paragraph saying, here's the risks to the buy case. In other words, um, here's the here's where here's the, where I would the, change my mind. Here's 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 the yeah here's here's where I would change my mind or here's okay. where here's here's why the buy case not might not work. And, All right, um, and and then the, and then the last thing. Um, so before we run out of time, it is a mini pod. Um, I wanted to ask you. Uh, your debiasing rule four is to learn what your partners want, educate them about what you do, seek alignment, and reward them for tenure. So that's like almost conditioning the client. It's like a behavioral um, debiasing rule. It's I guess making sure that we're managing folks with the same philosophy that we have, and 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 so we tell them, hey, we, we're going to be concentrated. We're going to be uh, doing unconventional things that are going to look really strange to you and weird. And you'll ask us why we own this company. And, uh, and you're going to see volatility in any short term over any quarter or year or five year period. But with a three and five year view, you look back and you have a lot of alpha or hopefully you have historically and hopefully prospectively, but they've got to be almost underwriting that, uh, that, that, uh, that volatility. And they have right. to be uh, aligned, uh, not only themselves, but also with their investment committees and with others about what we do. And what just—I know it's a mini pod, Josh, but what I was going <laughs> to expand on this on that on that sell case stuff is not just writing risk to the buy case. We've got to write an actual short thesis, like how are we going to make money on the short side? Do 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 work as if we were short, and we've got a long short background. So dive into these things that we love, and if we can flip flip it around and really come up with a constructive sell thesis that sounds good, then we know the other side. 